Good to see you, Concord, the hometown crowd, everybody that's joining us online, our online fam. God bless you today. Go ahead and take out your copy of God's Word if you'll turn to the book of Exodus chapter 9, and then we're going to be over in 1 Samuel as well. We're 14 days into our 21 days of freedom and 21 days of prayer. I want to encourage you. You are doing an amazing job. I'm so proud of you. Keep it up. We have hundreds, uh, over a thousand people engaging with the content on a, on a daily basis across all our locations. God is at work. He is at work. I told you it would get sometimes the, the law of the bricks uh, without straw. Sometimes it get harder before it gets easier. So I want to encourage somebody that the enemy's been amping up his attack against you. That means God is getting ready to amp up his blessing on the other side. So let's go strong. Let's go hard these last seven days. And so then not this Wednesday, but it's the next Wednesday. My wife told me this. I didn't even know this. Never heard, never, never was aware of this. But this is just how good God is. God gave us our word of the year. We, we actually started it a week later than we usually do. And so we'll end uh, at the end of January. And then we're going to have our first Wednesday in here is February. Third, it's going to be a freedom party. We're going to ask for a greater anointing and greater infilling of the Holy Spirit than you've ever experienced. And so please put that on your calendar. Did you know February 1st? I should know this. I'm ashamed that I didn't. But February 1st is national. Do you know this? Do you know this, educators? National Freedom Day. Do you know that? That's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. National Freedom Day is February 1st, the day after we finish our 21 days of freedom. It's National Freedom Day. And I know that's uh, the freedom of the Emancipation Proclamation. We celebrate that. We continue to work for, for freedom for all people. But I believe it's spiritual freedom as well. Can you say amen? And we're going to walk in as much freedom as we can. I want to teach to you today largely. I want to teach. Um, you wouldn't have known it at the 8 o'clock service because that 8 o'clock service, they get rowdy sometimes, y'all. They get rowdy over there at the chapel at Sweet 15. By the way, if you know somebody that's immune compromised or is a little bit hesitant to get out, we have increased socially, social distancing, mandate masks in that service, and it's just it's a neat time over in Sweet 15. But um, uh, I thought I was going to teach, and then I got to, got to hollering at the end. So we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll see what happens here. But but the Lord started uh, showing me some things through through this season that I, that I I think will be a helpful uh, grid, a helpful template. Let me explain it by this. So when when COVID first hit, March fifteenth was the first day. Remember remember uh, fifteen days to slow the spread. Y'all remember that? I think I forget where we are in that. It feels like day fourteen. It feels like we've been at this a while. Fifteen days to slow the spread, and the kids were out of school. And I said, "We're not much of a, a puzzle family at the Wither Up household. Anybody uh, puzzle people enjoy putting together puzzles? And a few of you, I'm not. My mind just doesn't work like that. I'm not real." Uh, analytical or, or, or in that sort of sense to be able to put those things together. But, but we got out a puzzle and we dumped it on the table downstairs and said, uh, we're going to put together a puzzle while we're, while we're quarantined and the puzzle will be put together and, and uh, COVID will be over and we'll all <laughs> celebrate this well. Um, the puzzle never did get put back together and... Well, you know the rest of the story. I don't know if those are uh, correlated or not, but I just gave up. And eventually, we just tore the puzzle down, and it's in, back in the box. But for those of you that enjoy a good puzzle, I want you to imagine this nightmare scenario. I want you to imagine two 1,000-piece puzzles that were both dumped on the table simultaneously on the back. The cardboard is exactly the same color, and the pieces are the same size, and somebody just 
mix those all together and they're all face down. They're all face down. And here's the rules. You can't turn them over and the box lids have been thrown away and you have to put together two 1,000 piece puzzles and all the pieces are mixed together. I'm telling you, that's felt like the last 11 months, hasn't it? It's like, what do I, you pick up a piece, what do I, what do I even do with this? What do I do with this? And I feel like what the Lord has uh, given me and is teaching me through scripture is a little bit of a template. So hear me, the apostle Paul himself says that he saw through a glass dimly. Can I coach you if there is any, I don't care what they call themselves, prophet, preacher, Bible scholar, if they tell you they have this thing all figured out, you run from them because they don't. The Bible says that we see through a glass dimly. I think God is giving us insights. I think he's helping. I think he's teaching us, coaching us, strengthening us. But if somebody says, I know exactly what's happening and I've got it all figured out, you just politely slide away from that. And so but so what this is, I feel like, is a template. In other words, I think that I think that what this is going to do is it's the outline, the border. What are the two most important things when you start putting a puzzle together? It's those corner pieces, right? Get the corner pieces, get the outline, get the border, and then see the picture, right? See the picture. So what I want to do, I want to give you your box top back, and I want to put together the corners and the borders so that when you pick up individual pieces and say, what in the world do I even do with this? At least you have a grid or a template. And so what I want to teach through today is a message that I'm calling storms and battles, storms and battles. Here's the challenge through all of this. In life, by the way, um, I'm going to give you a lot of content and all of my uh, note takers out there, you're going to be scrambling. So what we've done is on the, the beginning of your app and also in multiplied.church, there's, a, there's a, uh, a, a PDF called Storms and Battles, and you can click on that. I would encourage you to do that. Go ahead and pull out your app now. Pull that up, Storms and Battles. Click on that, and all of this content, this grid will be on there for you. But here's the, here's the challenge that we're walking through. In life, we will face both storms and battles the greater challenge is that they they look the same they often look the same because both storms and battles are opposition against you that causes you to feel fear but they're very different a storm is very different than a battle and a battle is very different than a storm if you misinterpret a storm for a battle you'll get crushed if you misinterpret a battle for a storm you will live in fear and in hiding so we have to understand the difference because now once i identify this is a storm you respond very differently to those the bible passages there's many storms in scripture and there's many battles in scripture I've chosen in Exodus chapter 9 the plague of hail and I've chosen in 1 Samuel chapter 17 the battle of David and Goliath. So the plague of hail is the the seventh plague um, as we're walking through this 21 days of freedom. It's the seventh plague and what happens is this Exodus chapter 9 verse 19. God says through Moses to Pharaoh at this time tomorrow I'm sending a terrific hailstorm. There's never been a storm like this in Egypt from the day of its founding until now. 
So get your livestock under one roof. Everything exposed in the open fields. People and animals will die when the hail comes down. What's interesting about this storm is even though the Israelites were the people of God, if they would have walked out into this storm and confused the storm for a battle, in other words, all right, here's our moment. This is our moment of freedom. And they've got, get your swords together. Get your clubs. Let's get, let's get an army together. And if they would have charged into that storm and thought that storm was a battle, they would have gotten crushed along with everything else. Does that make sense? Storm, storm, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or a non-Christian. It doesn't, doesn't matter what nationality you are. It doesn't matter if you were in Pharaoh's palace or a slave. It doesn't matter across educational backgrounds, socioeconomic storms attack everybody. And if we, if the enemy gets the church to misidentify a cultural storm as a battle, what you will do is you will run out into that storm. You'll run out into that storm. This is my moment. You're taking on, you're taking on the devil and you're going to get crushed. You're going to get crushed. I remember, I will never forget May 31st, 1985. Were any of you, did any of you grow up in eastern Ohio, western Pennsylvania, southern New York, or the Ontario, Canada in the 80s in Pennsylvania, just me, or just in that area? I don't know if you remember this. So I remember coming, I remember coming home from school that day. We were uh, just winding down the school year, and my dad came home, and he said that we were under a tornado watch. I'd never heard of that in all of, all of my life. Tornadoes? I mean, that was like a Kansas thing. I think I saw it on The Wizard of Oz. By the way, that's a scary movie for a kid to watch, but that's a whole different story that I'll walk through during another 21 days of freedom at some point. But I was like, tornado, we're under a tornado watch. What is that? We had never, you didn't have tornadoes in Western Pennsylvania because of the terrain and all that kind of things. Well, fast forward, it ended up from that day until now, it was the third deadliest tornado outbreak in all of, all of the U.S., 44 tornadoes, 600 people killed, 1,000 people injured, $600 million in property damage. If I would have, I I remember looking out our our front window and there was a, a stump. A tornado didn't go through us, but it went over us. My dad says, and I believe it to this day, that my mama prayed that tornado like just over, over the house. But like, like a huge stump just fell from the sky and there was, there was siding and insulation and everything out. If I would have walked out into that storm and said hey, to my brother, like, hey, let's play swords or let's just go out into the storm, I would have gotten smacked upside the head. I would have gotten hurt even though I had good intentions. Has anybody gotten smacked upside the head during this season and you didn't even mean to. You're like, oh, I got a a, a free minute. Let me just scroll through Facebook. Bam, bam. You know, you're just like getting it from all sides. It's because we're misinterpreting a storm as a battle. And if we do that, then we'll end up getting getting hurt. So let's go, let's go to battles. Let's go to battles. First Samuel chapter 17. Let's go all the way down to verse 8 here. All the way down to verse 8. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why why are you coming to fight, he called. I'm a Philistine champion, but you are only 
servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. Verse 24, as soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. On the other side, what the Israelites did is they misidentified a battle as a storm. This was a battle that they had the power to stand up and as the people of God to take this battle on, to fight in the name of the Lord. And yet this giant had taunted them so long They thought it was a storm, so they were seeking refuge like the giant would go away, and the giant's not going to go away. There are some things in our culture, church, that we need to rise up and stand and point our finger back at the taunts of the enemy and said, I'm not going to run that from that any longer. I'm not going to hide from that any longer. We are not children of Saul. We're children of the living God, and because we're children of the living God, we have the power to stand up and defeat the giant in the name of Jesus. And I think that the enemy is having a heyday with the church right now, not multiply church, the church universal. I think the enemy is having a heyday with the church right now because he's getting the church to confuse storms with battles and battles with storms. And we're fighting things that we shouldn't be fighting and we're running things, running from things that we should be fighting. And what I want to do is I want to give you this template. I want to give you this grid so that when the opposition comes your way, you can pick that puzzle piece up and say, okay, this is a storm and I'm going to treat it like a storm or this is a battle and I'm going to fight it like a battle. And here's the thing. You approach them both as a warrior of the most high God, but you do it differently. Watch this. Watch this. So is it a storm or a battle? Is it a storm or a battle. You can pick something in your mind, one of the 12 things that, one of the 12 things that you're, you're fighting now at this moment, and run it through this grid. So here's what a storm is. Some of these I, I mentioned, let me give it to you in a list form. A storm affects everyone. The Bible says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. It doesn't just rain on one house and the next house is dry. Storm affects everyone. Number two, in a storm, it's very difficult to find the enemy. What's the, who caused the tornado outbreak? What's the, what's the cause of a, of a hurricane? And so what the enemy wants us to do, well, I'll get, I'll get to that. Number three, a storm makes you feel a lack of control and thus helpless. So when my fifth grade self, after that tornado outbreak went through, during every successive thunderstorm in western Pennsylvania over the course of the next three years, I was in the basement with my football helmet on because I was afraid of the, I didn't have any control. I didn't have any control. So this ties into number four. A storm makes you fearful, and this type of fear leads to anger. Here's where you got to be so careful. Because remember, again, both storms and battles are opposition that causes fear. So you got to say, I'm feeling fear, but where is my fear coming from? Is my fear coming from I feel helpless? I don't feel any control. If my fear is coming from that place, it's probably a storm. So here's what happens then, number five. A storm makes you want to blame 
and fight. Do you see any of this going on in culture today? What do we want to do when we're facing a storm? We, wanna, we need an enemy. We, we need, that's just human nature. We want an enemy. And so you have Christians yelling at other Christians. You have political parties yelling across the aisle. You have, you have uh, countries yelling against countries. You have all of the blame, 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 blame. Now listen, here's the tricky thing. Some of it's a, some of it's a battle. I'll get to that. Some of the, this, is not, this is not all like super, super neat. Some of these things are battles. Some of these things are storms. But a storm makes you want to blame and fight. If your first inclination is to fight, it's probably a storm. Battles, though, are are different. Battles are different. Number one, a battle is a direct attack. A direct attack. Goliath attacked the Israelites, a specific person, a family, a group of people. Number two, in a battle, you can easily identify the enemy. Like, if you want to fight, there's Goliath. There he is. There's no question about it. There's the enemy. Number three, a battle will attempt to expose and taunt your weakness. A battle will attempt to expose and taunt your weakness. Number four, a battle makes you, here it is again, fearful. But now, watch this, the source of the fear is different. The source of the fear is not over your lack of self, lack of control, but it's because of the size of your enemy and your weakness. So, a battle makes you want to hide and hope the giant will go away or someone else will fight the giant. And again, we see Christians doing both. We see them swinging fists at things that are storms, but then we see them hiding from things that we should be rising up and fighting. Have you ever seen, have you ever walked into a room where somebody is playing like one of those VR games? Have you ever, what, like, I don't know if you've just watched that from a, from a distance. So, like, Justin, one of our, our people out of our Davidson location, they were doing this at, at Good Drip Coffee, and they're, they're like, VR, and, and, and like, you, you look, and you're like, what are, you, what are you swinging at, man? Like, what are you doing? And I think, like, that's the way we look. When we're fighting storms, that's the way we look to other people. Like, we're, ang- we're angry, and we're throwing social media, and we're just throwing stuff, and everybody else is like, Bro, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Where's the, where's the enemy? And I think Satan is laughing his head off because he's gotten the church to where we're swinging our fists, and we're, we're hitting, you know, if somebody was just walking in, I just walked in for the latte, and I'm out for the cat because somebody was fighting something and there was no enemy there and the enemy is trying to get you to fight things in your life and there's not even an enemy there it's not a battle it's a storm so you've got to have the wisdom and the holy wisdom of the holy spirit to identify that thing as as a storm as a storm can't fight a storm we run to shelter in the lord battles you can't run from a battle because it won't go away so what do you do in a storm what do you do in a storm number one don't fight the storm Number two, run to the Lord. Refuge, hear me, refuge is not retreat. Refuge is not retreat. And so David was a warrior. David took down lions. He took down bears. He was raised as a warrior. He took down Goliath. When he got to the throne in Israel, the first thing that he did was he ousted the Jebusites from his promise and from the promised land. And then he went on this, he just was, he 
was a warrior, but read through the Psalms. Read through the Psalms because sometimes when enemies came against him, David says again and again and again, he said, I didn't fight this time. He says, I sought refuge in the Lord. And so somebody needs to know that your prayer closet is not a place of weakness. It's a place of strength. Just because you're not fighting, just because you're not swinging your fists out in the public arena does not mean that the Spirit of God is not at work through you. It's a storm. You're just dealing with it differently. And it doesn't mean that you're not a warrior. It just means that you recognize this is a storm. And I'm not going to get my head cut off by going out there in the middle of a tornado. Pastor Tommy Barnett, if you remember, Pastor uh, Tommy was was the pastor of Phoenix First Assembly, now Dream City Church in in, uh, Phoenix, Arizona. And he released a a video about a week ago, and he said this. Pastor Tommy said this. He told the story, and he was standing through uh, beside his church in uh, a mountain. His son Luke is pastor in the church now, but there's a mountain behind him. And he told the story. He said, you know, he said there's not a whole lot good about getting old. But he he said it does give you some wisdom, and he said it does give you some perspective. He said, in the 1980s, there were two high-profile evangelists that had significant and very public moral failures. And they were both directly tied into Phoenix First Assembly. Phoenix First Assembly at that time was the largest Assembly of God church in the nation. And so uh, the press was just after pa- Pastor Tommy. Everybody, everybody wondering, Pastor Tommy, what are you going to do? What's the church going to do? Or is this the way preachers are? Is this the way a, a, your movement, is this the way your church is, is acting? And, and, and Pastor Tommy just felt all of this opposition that caused fear coming against him. And what he heard the Lord say is this was not the time for a public response. This was the time for him to go to the mountain. And for the next year, every morning for a year and a half, he went up to the mountain and he didn't respond publicly. He found his place of refuge and he sought the Lord and said, God, you take care of this storm. Do you know that during that storm, the church when everybody said the church was going to fall apart, the church grew. Do you know that during it was during that storm, it was during his hours of prayer up on that mountain that the Lord planted in his heart the vision for the very first Dream Center. Now Dream Centers, hundreds of them across the United States, across the world, in our backyard that now we get to minister in a greater way than ever before to the lost and hurting and broken of our community. Community, but that never would have happened if Pastor Tommy would have mistaken the storm for the battle and spent his time battling reporters in front of television cameras instead of hitting his knees in prayer. Does that make sense? Say yes. Amen. Can I give you an, like, a, like a real close example? Can I, can I take you behind the scenes to Wonderland? Remember Wonderland? We were going to do Wonderland. We put, we put it all out across the community, Facebook ads and videos. And at that, because at, at, at that time, we were, the, the county was a little more open and, and, and just we were believing for like thousands of people even during this time. And we had our protocols in place and, and all, everything. We did, did our, our, our homework and, and we were excited. And it was the week of, in fact, in fact, it was three days before. This was on a Wednesday. 
On a Wednesday morning, the event was on Friday. We'd cast the, the vision and all of this. On, on Wednesday, I talked to one of our uh, leaders in our local law enforcement. And by the way, I just want to pause and say thank you to our local law enforcement. We got some of the finest. Some of them are right out in the lobby. We love you guys so much. But I got a call from, or, or I, I was on the phone with one of the leaders of the local law enforcement, and they said, Pastor, please don't do this. It's going to put us in a really bad position. And can I tell you that my first inclination, I wanted to fight. Like I had it all lined up. I had my reasons. I had my, re I had my examples. I was like, Oh, this is a battle. We're going to fight this battle. And the Lord said, Doug, this is not a battle to fight. The Lord, this is specifically what he said. He said, do not, do not um, risk the good name of this church and this community that you have for 62 years over one thing. This is not, this is not the decision to make. I said, I said, yes, sir. I said, we will, we will absolutely honor that. So we pivoted. And uh, two, two things happened. I want to share, share both of them. That was on a Wednesday. We had a first Wednesday in here. Pastor Gwen told me that later on that day, we made that decision. It was right around 2 o'clock, I believe, 2, 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And Pastor Gwen said, do you know right at that moment that some significant funding came into the Dream Center from an outside source in the, in the community. I feel like that was God saying that was the right decision. Do you know, and I can't give you all of the specifics on this, but I got a call uh, again this past week from our, our local law enforcement. So the horrific tragedy several weeks ago where we lost the young officer at Concord Mills, they asked Multiply Church to open up our doors in a way now that we can minister to every single police officer in our city. And that would not have happened if we would have misidentified a storm as a battle. But because the Lord gave us wisdom in that moment, yeah, give him praise, because that's God. We need that kind of wisdom, don't we? That when we wanna, when we wanna fight it like a battle and God says, it's not a battle, it's a storm. And we go to prayer and we let God take care of the storm. There are ministry opportunities on the other side of those storms. So we don't fight a storm. We run to the Lord because this too shall pass. This too shall pass. Can I speak that over the storm in your life? Can I speak that over the, the storm that's raging right now that this too shall pass? And then battles. What do we do with battles? Here's what we do with battles. We have to stop hiding and thinking the enemy will go away. You can't run to refuge during a battle. you got to stand. Like those three Hebrew children, you gotta, you got to stand in a battle. Number two, you have to identify the correct enemy. David did not fight his brothers even though his brothers were punks read that story his brothers were accusing him his brothers were on the wrong side but David didn't fight his brothers because the enemy would have used David fighting his brothers to distract him from the real enemy and and the enemy is having a heyday because he's getting the church to fight within itself instead of putting our eyes on Goliath. The enemy, the enemy is not another believer. The enemy is the enemy. 
We have to keep our eyes on the right enemy. So number three then is run toward the battle. This is where you get you a brave heart moment and say, I don't feel like I'm strong enough. I don't feel like I'm, I, I have the tools, but I'm going to run into this battle because the Lord is with me and it's not the size of my giant. It's the size of my God and I'm going to run in victory in the name of Jesus. Number four, we trust the name of the Lord. And then number Number five, we stand up to the giant and defeat the giant in the name of the Lord. And then here's why. That it is more incredibly complex today than I feel like, at least in my lifetime, it's ever been. Is that I feel like, I feel like we, are, we are in a collectively um, a Gethsemane moment. And what I, what I mean by that simply is this. A Gethsemane moment is a cosmic collision of both storms and battles. And so it's hard to identify. Like you, you feel disoriented at times. And like I'm fearful and I'm anxious and I know there's an enemy out there but where is the enemy and you've got like everything was everything was colliding in Gethsemane people leave you in Gethsemane how do I know how many of you don't don't raise a hand but how many of you lost a close friend this past year somebody that used to do life with that because people leave you people betray you in Gethsemane 11 out of the 12 disciples left Jesus. But hear me, only one was a Judas. Only one was a Judas. So when people betray you and somebody else leaves you, you can't treat the people, the person that left you like a Judas because even though 11 out of the 12 left, there was only one Judas and you can't treat Peter like Judas even though Peter left you because Peter's gonna come back. You can't treat every relationship in your life that leaves you like a Judas because you'll sabotage the relationship and most of those relationships, most of them will come back. So you can't do that. You gotta just let, you gotta let people deal with things in the way that they're dealing with it. And only Judas, Jesus, only John stood by Jesus in this moment. So you have this swirling of where are people? Where, where are my friends? And I'm walking through this. I'm walking through the hardest emotional moment of my life. And where are the people? Where are the people that have poured into? Where are the people that I should have counted on? And Jesus is on his knees before the Father crying out, God, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, God, take this cup from me. And he has this moment of surrender as the sweat is like drops of blood. He's under such emotional stress and spiritual. There is this cosmic collision of storms and battles and religious leaders marching into Gethsemane with swords and clubs. And Peter, poor Peter, I feel empathy for Peter in this moment because all Peter knows is everything that he's put his hope and faith into up until this moment in his life. It looks like it's going down and it looks like the enemy is winning and he feels fear and he sees opposition and he doesn't know if it's a storm or if it's a battle. So what does Peter do? He picks up a sword and he just starts swinging the sword. I don't know what to do. I'm confused. I'm hurt. I'm afraid. I'm swinging a sword and he cuts off the ear. Here's the problem. If we fight with the wrong sword, church, we're going to end up swinging swords and cutting the ears off of an unbelieving world, off of the very world that needs to hear the gospel of Jesus. you got to be quick for how you swing your sword in this season. You got to be careful. 
So we can't respond to these Gethsemane moments like Peter. We have to respond to these Gethsemane moments like Jesus. And here's what Jesus did. Jesus also swung a sword. You say, what are you talking about, Pastor? I don't remember Jesus swinging a sword. But here's what Jesus did. Do you remember when the centurions came up to him or when the religious leaders came up to him and said, who are you? Are you, are you this person? How did Jesus respond? What did he say? He said, I am he. In other words, Jesus used a sword too, but he used this sword. It was the word of God. It was a declaration of his identity. It was a declaration of his power. And so Jesus fought the battle, but he fought the battle with the word of God. We cannot fight this spiritual battle in the natural. We have to fight this battle with the word of God. We got to know our identity in Jesus. We got to know who we are. And when we swing this sword, when Jesus declared, whoa, his identity in in the Lord, in the Father, when Jesus declared his identity, it says that those people that were coming against him flew back. Do you know that when you open your mouth and you begin to declare the word of God, that every force of hell that's coming against you has to retreat in the name of Jesus? That's how, that's how church that's how we fight our battles. Would you stand in this auditorium? I wonder in this place today, I wonder in this place today who feels like you're walking through a Gethsemane. You say, Pastor, I, I feel fear. I feel like people have leave, left me. I, I feel hurt. I feel confused. I feel like there's battles in my life and I don't even know how to respond with heads bowed and eyes closed. You say, Pastor, that's me. That's me. I feel like I'm walking through a Gethsemane moment and I don't know what to do. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand in this place so we could pray for you? Pastor, I feel, I feel that. Sure, sure, sure. Who else, Pastor? I just feel like I'm, I'm walking through that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, here's what, here's what I want to do. Can, can I just, can I give a socially distanced altar call right now? I want Pastor Adam to begin to, to begin to, because the only, here's, here's the only thing that you can do during Gethsemane is what Jesus did, is you just got to get, get alone with the Father. And I just want to open up these altars right now. I just want to open up these altars for a socially distanced altar call, for if you feel like you're walking through a Gethsemane, just to take two minutes this morning and find a place with Jesus at the front, and just to say, Jesus, I surrender. I surrender. I don't know what's going on, but I surrender. And so as we sing that, if that's you, if you're walking through a Gethsemane, would you just find a place in the garden find a place in the garden just to kneel and say God I give it all to you not my will be done but your will be done I surrender Lord I surrender I give it all to you Lord Jesus in the middle of this collision in the middle of these storms in the middle of these battles I give it to you God come on somebody press in somebody press in somebody press in somebody right there at your living room right there in your living room just turn your living room into an altar just begin to find a place right there turn your kitchen table into an altar right there come on somebody do Gethsemane battle in the swirling of these storms right now every stronghold will crumble I hear the chains hit the ground oh God of revival pour it out pour it out oh come awaken your people come awaken this city 
Just do what Jesus did. Jesus said, I am he. I am he. I am he. All across the auditorium right now, can we just step in collectively? Everybody at home, can we just step in collectively and begin to say some of those I am statements because of who God said that we are? I am chosen. I am free. I am a son or a daughter of the Most High God. I am a warrior. I am forgiven. I am filled with grace. I am righteous. I am chosen. I am alive. I am everything that he has called me to be. Father, as we make those declarations about who we are in Jesus... The darkness must flee. The darkness must flee. The darkness must flee. Heads still bowed, eyes still closed. Pastor, I've got storms and battles in my life right now, and I need wisdom. I need wisdom. I need a special outpouring of wisdom. The Bible says in the book of James, if any of you lack wisdom, ask, and the Lord will give generously. He won't just give it to you. He will give generously to all that who ask. And so if you are facing an opposition in your life, and you say, Pastor, I don't know if this is a storm or a battle. I don't know how to respond. I just want you to lift your hand right now and say, God, would you give me wisdom? I need wisdom. Come on. Ask him. Ask him. Ask him. The Bible says in Psalms to cry aloud for wisdom. God, I pray for an outpouring of wisdom upon your people like we've never seen before. God, I pray that you will birth new ministries. I pray that you will give leaders insights. God, I pray that you will give parents and grandsons insights and parents and grandparents insights in the name of Jesus that we've never had before. I pray that you would show somebody that's trying to decide where to move and where to live. I pray that you would guide them in the name of Jesus. I pray for a wisdom during this season like we've never experienced before in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And then one more prayer. If you're here today, if you're listening online and you don't know this Jesus we've been talking about, it's as simple as just yielding your life to him. And so you say, Pastor, I don't know him and I want a relationship with Jesus. Would you just pray a prayer in your heart? Something like this. Just say, Jesus, I surrender. I give it all to you. I know that I'm a sinner, but I ask that you come into my heart and come into my life. Forgive me and help me to live wide awake to the love of God and fully alive to my purpose in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Church, I bless you with wisdom to know what's a storm and what's a battle and to respond in victory in Jesus' name. If you receive that, can you give them one more hand clap of praise? God bless you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day in the Lord.